Hi, and welcome to ECE Honestly with Kayla and Lisa. Here we discuss the ups and downs of working in the field of early childhood education. So listen, hopefully learn, and enjoy. We would like to acknowledge with gratitude that we live, work, and learn on the unceded and traditional territory of the Coast Salish, Quaquitlam, Tsleil-Waututh, Squamish, and Stolo peoples. On today's episode of ECE Honestly, Kayla and I would like to discuss pop culture and its effects in a center. And I think one of the things that we need to first answer is what do we mean by pop culture? Pop culture for children is going to be very different than what we think of pop culture for adults. Yes, and one of the main things that is always in our faces and very inescapable is the effects of Disney. And Kayla and I are big Disney fans. Don't get us wrong. I love Disney. I actually had a um, teacher when I was in college who said that she is very non-ECE in the sense of how much she loves Disney. Like she would go on annual trips with her grandchildren to Disneyland. They loved it so much. And I'm almost 30 and I have never been to Disneyland. That is on my bucket list. Oh my gosh, Kayla, I didn't know that. For yeah. such a huge fan. I know. That's very shocking. When I was a little girl, and my mother will vouch for this, I memorized like every movie and I would act them out word for word. Like, I'm still a bit of a drama queen, but I was like 20 million times more of a drama queen. Like if you had ever met like, Kayla, between the ages of like two and nine, I want to say, would be like, oh my God. I probably would have loved you just as much as I love you now. Right? Don't worry. Yes. <laughs> but we're both big Disney fans, and this is a very controversial topic when it comes to having Disney in a center. Mm-hmm. Because with the biggest movie in Disney that I can think of, of course, Frozen. Gotta love and, Elsa. Yep. And Frozen 2 recently coming out. Their songs and their image is just plastered across everything that is for children. You go into Toys R Us and there's, you know, Elsa and Anna and anything to do. You walk into any child store and, you know, nine times out of ten, you're going to hear Let It Go playing in the background, which I do love Let It Go, by the way. We do love that song. I love that song. Um... And even, uh, you know, lots of children's birthday parties, uh, you know, how many, more than anything, little girls had frozen themed birthday parties. How many times have you eaten cake off of Elsa's face on a paper plate? Many a times. Um, Or the other hot thing I think too was even when we were working together and Frozen's been out for a long time. It's been out for a long time. But the effects are still there. They are. Especially with the... Second, the second one out, coming out, which uh, is brilliant. If you have not seen Frozen two, go out and see it. Amazing. I have Disney Plus. I one hundred percent saw that. <laughs> um, but even when we, you know, even when we were working together, and all the children that we knew who were turning, you know, three, four, five, I mean, how many parents would come and ask us, like, do you know where we could get somebody to play Elsa to come to my child's birthday party? And that was a huge thing was, you know, Elsa got to come to my birthday party or even Halloween, you know, how many little, you know, how many children still like to dress up as Rapunzel or Elsa or Jasmine. Yeah. Or Belle. And, you know, again, Halloween, that's a, that's a huge time for all these children to 
really be able to become these other people, become yeah. these figures that they idolize in uh, in Disney movies. Yeah, and so for us, we're kind of wondering what what the take is on having Disney come into a center. And for me personally, I love the music from Frozen and Frozen Two. The soundtrack is absolutely stunning, and the words and the messages behind all the lyrics, if you really look them up and read through them, are very positive and about self-worth, really, and empowerment for who you are. And this isn't to say that Elsa's song of empowerment is all about being a woman and being strong and being, which it is, but at the same time, it's about her being herself and Mm -hmm. embracing her difference, embracing her power. And so when children in a center ask to listen to that song, let it go, for me, I absolutely agree with the message and I'm more than happy to play something that fills them up inside with what they want to be, what they want to do. With that pride, with, you know, I think that my favorite line in that entire um, in that entire song, we'll have many favorite lines from that song. <laughs> but for me, it's always like, I'm never going back. The past is in the past. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Okay. So when I was going through some really tough times, I think I belted that song out to myself so many times, you know, it's amazing how a message like that even resonated to, to me. Yeah. Um, and people think these things are just for children too, which they're not. They have a really strong connection to what your life is when you're an adult. Yeah. And I mean, I told Kayla this earlier, but listening to Moana and just there's one moment in the movie where she just is empowered by the voice of her grandmother and she just says, you know what? This is who I am. I can do this. Yes. And that's something that if a child needs to hear that song, what is the message that they're getting behind that through those lyrics. Totally. But I think the other point to bring up is too that Disney has also been ever evolving since it came out in the beginning. I mean, are there songs that do have racist undertones to them? Yes. Absolutely. Um, If you listen to Peter Peter Pan Pan and Why is the Red Man Red? Um, You know, the song Savages. Mm -hmm. And that movie came out when I was a child. Like, I idolized Pocahontas. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think also Pocahontas was the first time... Pocahontas and Jasmine were the first time I sort of saw somebody who looked more or less like me. Um, my background is Salvadorian, so I identify as Latinx. But every other princess before then was usually, you know, white, White. blonde, Blonde, blue uh, eyes, eyes. you know, your mainstream beauty. They look like you. (laughs) Yes, I am white. I'm blonde, blue eyes. The thing, you know what I realized the other day was I was watching a show, a movie Spirit by Disney and the main female horse in that movie is not only a multicolored horse, she's white and brown, she's mixed, She also has a blonde mane and blue eyes. And I was just thinking to myself, when have I ever seen a blonde (laughs) with blonde hair and blue eyes? So it's so deeply embedded. So you do, like you said, you do have to be really careful about which Disney you're promoting within a center and whether or not it's okay to be there. Yeah. And, and that's, I think again, that's also really hard and something that I have had conversations with, um, with my, 
my family's. Um, even recently, I had a mother last year when Disney Plus just came out. She was all kinds of excited because finally, you know, she could have all her childhood films in in one streaming service. Mm-hmm. And and again, Disney is something that we all grew up with. It's, yeah, it's still grew up with. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then she was having a really tough, tough time to know where to almost draw the limits, I want to say, because her oldest son, one of his favorite, um, one of his favorite songs was, why is the man, Red Man Red in Peter Pan. Mm. And she, she was like, oh my goodness, like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't want him singing this, but it's so catchy. And, you know, she was so... And you love Peter Pan. Yeah, and she and, and that's the thing. Peter Pan was his childhood movie, so... But he was also old enough now that I think she could explain to him why... Have the conversation. Yeah, like, this is from a different time. This is what it meant. This is why it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And even her youngest son at the time was two. He loved Dumbo and... We were reading that story um, of the little the little engine who could mm-hmm. the I think I can I think I can, and he was able to sort of connect that to Dumbo and the train, and he was telling me all about how he loved the mouse and the mouse was blowing bubbles and the and Dumbo's mummy and all that kind of stuff, and again she was very concerned that he loved this movie so much because there is blatant racism in that movie with the crows portraying you know your stereotypical african-american males and the main crow just happens to be called jim crow of course like holy (laughs) so it's very difficult when and it's not easy to decipher and and really work through this whole disney propaganda thing that's literally everywhere yeah Mm -hmm. um and you know i think it really comes into the center too when it comes to dress up and what the kids want to embody and a lot of times in centers the dress-up corner is very much geared toward girls yes Kayla has mentioned to me earlier with a lot of princess a lot of heels pink purple crowns hairdressing wigs things that you would stereotypically put on girls or find in a girl section in a toy store exactly on the pink side of the store not on the blue side of the store yes and the things that are related to the blue side of the store you know you're talking about things like ninjas like knights like superheroes and one of the problems that lisa and i were talking about earlier was the fact that it almost seems that in many centers we we allow children to play with the quote pink side of the store um, items, you know, the princess things, the baking things, the hairdressing, but we don't allow children to do the superhero play, to do the ninja play. And many a times it's because a lot of those, um, a lot of those items are very much associated with violence. Mm -hmm. You know, ninjas are violent, superheroes are violent. Um, you know, because they fight each other and there's punching and there's hitting. And so in a way, we're almost like reinforcing what children can and cannot do. And Mm -hmm. this whole idea that masculine is violent and yet feminine is soft. Which is so backwards thinking. And this is what, this is why men aren't 
allowed or don't feel comfortable being able to cry or being able to express themselves is because they're literally suffocated with the fact that anything that is not, I'm a man, I'm tough, is wrong. Yeah. But then, again, in centers, the other thing to that, too, is, well, how can we represent, um, you know, both of these things? Because, again, one thing that I have noticed in all my years of practice is that we are allowed to do things that are associated more with girls. Again, like the hairdressing, like the princesses. But we're not allowed to do things that are associated with, quote, the boys, like superhero play. In many centers that I have worked in, um, and again, much like Disney is influencing and Disney princesses and Elsa and all that may influence girls more than they will influence boys. Not to say that, you know, little boys do not like Let It Go or Elsa as much as uh, girls do, but it is very much more geared towards, towards the girls. But without recognizing that, you know, superheroes are also a big, are also huge right now, you Mm -hmm. know, when... Marvel came out, um, Iron Man, you know, how many children, you know, loved Iron Man or Spider-Man or Batman. Um, I remember (laughs) where in the center that we actually worked together, there was a child who loved Green Lantern and he had Green Lantern everything, just loved Green Lantern. And he loved me because my engagement ring looked like Green Lantern's (laughs) ring. (laughs) It's a lot nicer than that, but yes, it's honestly. But it was so, but you know what? It's so funny because that was the way that I actually bonded with this group of boys was because they thought my engagement ring was Green Lantern's ring. You had the super. I had the superpower, so thank you, husband. (laughs) Um, But yet, even in that particular center, you know, he was not allowed to play Green Lantern Mm -hmm. because... You know, he's hitting. What if he's hitting or the punching or um, the, quote, violent acts that he's doing? And again, this is a huge, huge topic because rough and tumble play is something that many centers don't allow. Yeah. And I have I have two nieces and one of them is very they're both girls and obviously nieces. They're both girls. <laughs> and um one of them is very shy, quiet. She likes to color. She likes to do all those things. And the other one's polar opposite. I mean, if she could be Spider-Man or if I told her that when she turns 10, she would be Spider-Man, she would 100% believe me. She's yeah. got the Spider-Man bike, the Spider-Man jacket. She plays Spider-Man all the time, pretending she's shooting webs. And I find it so hard because with me growing up, if I was into Spider-Man, which I was... I was labeled tomboy. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very careful and very aware not to put those labels on her. And, you know, I can see that other people are like, oh my gosh, she's a tomboy. She's just like a little boy. And I'm like, no, she's a child. And she finds her empowerment through through (laughs) Spider-Man. But you know what? And again, this brings up another issue because... We as a society seem to be more understanding and I think more accepting when little girls are doing things that are geared towards boys because we find it empowering. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like if you have a child, you know, if you have a little girl who likes superheroes, who wants to be the superhero, who wants to dress up as Batman, you know, it's more power to you, girl. Like hashtag girl power. Yeah. Which 
again, this is not a bad thing. We That's should good. we should do this, but we do not see that same thing when little boys no. want to dress up as princesses. I, I don't know how many times I've had families walk into the center, especially dads walk into yeah. a center and see their little boy in plastic pink high heels with a dress on and they're like oh you're playing dress up today that's okay and you know it's I respect that they're uncomfortable with that but at the same time we need to foster environments where these children can be whoever they want to be and if the parent says you cannot do that outside like at my home that's their choice yeah respect that but within a center they can be whoever they want to be. And that's a really fine line to to walk. And you have Mm -hmm. to have very open relationships with your parents. You need to be able to communicate with them because this topic is going to come up a lot. A lot, Especially, like you said, when it comes to little boys and their dads. Because it's... It's a hard... It's very backwards. Like, when when you're describing how we empower the girls to do... To act, you know tough or tough or just you know and do all these things that girls don't stereotypically do yeah but then we don't do it the reverse way it's just it's sad because we're really just reinforcing you can't do this This totally this is not appropriate for society Mm -hmm. this is not the way that you're supposed to act which is unfair because it is we have all walks of life we do and and again have we had those conversations where we had you know parents and you know what and it's not even sometimes boy it's not even sometimes fathers sometimes mothers have a really hard time with this as well it's true I had a child um once who I think he was two years old and he put on I think like a dress in the in the dress up corner and he was very proud of himself you know he's he's and it's interesting because you also have to really pay attention to what children are doing and even what they're saying mm-hmm. when when they're dressing up like, you know, when they're doing all these dress ups, you know, for him, it wasn't about like, I'm a girl now or or I'm I'm this or yeah. I'm that, it, you know, he put on he put on this dress and he was running around and he was twirling and you know when we asked him oh do you like the dress he goes yeah it's flowy it's fun it flows and his thing was he loved running and twirling because he liked the way that the the material kind of just lifted in the air yeah and his mom had a big big problem with that because and i think again this goes back to this very patriarchal idea of well, if my child is dressing up like this now, it means he's going to be gay in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, am I making my child gay? Mm-hmm. And I, and it's interesting how it always comes back to that topic. Yeah, like it's it's something you're doing that's making them gay. Yeah, and it's like first of all, no. that's not a bad thing if your child no. identifies as Absolutely you know in the not. LGBTQ flag. Let's get that out there. Yeah. But it's it's very interesting just to see that the way the mind the, that mentality works, um, and again how you have to approach it sensitively because you mm-hmm. cannot just be that type of person who's like, well, this is the rules here, and if you don't like it, go find another center because again, that's not what we're here to do. No, you need to have a conversation with the parents, and I think it's especially important to have. A policy or a manifesto or something that clearly states 
your philosophy and your beliefs before the family even gets into the center. Because if they've been let in and what you guys believe in hasn't been made clear to them, Mm -hmm. then that's when a lot of this sort of, well, this is not what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. This doesn't align with what I want for my child. And now I'm sort of in here already. Yeah. When I could have gone to center B or, or whatever. Yeah. So I think, like you said, having those conversations is very important. And sometimes the best way to do it is with another person in the room. Yes. One of the toughest things is to have one-on-one conversations with parents, especially during pickup or drop-off. And if you can really feel that unease... And the tension. And the tension, (laughs) invite them to come back a different time and have somebody else there, not sitting on the same side of the table as you, but just like in a circle or in a triangle shape, just so that you can have an open conversation conversation about why it is so important to let children play with all the materials that are available and Mm -hmm. not section it off. And I think a lot of parents feel this unsettlement because embracing the the LGBTQ2 community is still very recent. It is. It's and it's not a hundred percent there either. No, right. So they they've spent their whole lives with this cultural divide about what is appropriate in society and what isn't appropriate in society. So it, it's not something you can just flip the switch on. No. It's something that takes time to relearn. Yes. Unlearn and relearn. And I think one of the other things too, and I'll kind of speak to, um, I'll speak on behalf of my my mom here. I know because my brother, um, he grew up with in, a, in a, an environment full of women. And, you know, I was the oldest sibling. And so many a times you will see sort of that influence, that influence on the younger siblings. So if you had me who loved Disney, who loved princesses, who was like, my mom to this day is like, you made me puke at how girly you were. (laughs) You know, like if it had sparkle anything. Oh my God. If it had like sparkles or pink or lace or if it was poof, like I was into it. And... (laughs) Yeah, like, I was very, like, you see me now, and I'm, I'm like, the polar opposite of what I was under the age of 10. Um, But again, you know, and when I grew up with, you know, my brother and I growing up together, you know, his influence was me. So I, you know, I would paint his toenails, or I would paint, you know, or he would dress up in... um, in uh, which call it in my like dress up clothes or I was a flower girl for a few occasions. Um, so he would put on my flower, my old flower girl dresses. You know, my mom used to dress me up in these beautiful summer hats and he loved wearing my hats. And, you know, my very macho egotistical uncles were, you know, they had this fear that my brother was going to be like, oh my gosh, you're turning him into like a homosexual because you're letting him do this and you're letting him paint his toenails and you're letting him do this, this and that. And my mom literally had to be like, okay, first of all, that's not your kid. So you do, are not allowed to have an opinion on how mm-hmm. I choose to raise my children. Mm-hmm. Secondly, if he, if later in his life he is homosexual, that's not going to be the worst thing in the world. Like, you know what I mean? If he brings me home a boyfriend that rather than a girlfriend, like big deal. I'll embrace his boyfriend as much as I would have embraced a girlfriend. Um, is, is he happy? Is he healthy? Yeah. Like, that's I, all you want when your baby is totally. born. Why does that change as they grow up? Absolutely. Um, and 
my mom, I want to say that her biggest fear when all this was happening, when my brother was growing up, again, under the influence of all these women in his life, her fear was not, is my son going to be gay or straight? It was very much like, how many people am I going to get into a fight with? How many people am I going to have to defend him from? How many people am I potentially going to have to beat the ever loving crap of? for not accepting my son for who he is. Mm -hmm. And I think that is probably, and I want to say that maybe that's the biggest fear that many parents have is not so much, is my child, you know, gay or straight? I think it's more, are they going to be accepted? Yeah. Because you you don't want it to be a hard life. Absolutely. You want the best. You want it to be easy. You want them to just be able to enjoy who they are. Yeah. it's not accepted. Totally. And for the record, my brother is like now in the Canadian Armed Forces, like this big freaking tough macho guy who <laughs> drives tanks. So, yeah. <laughs> and so this is why we think it's really important to discuss pop culture because it really does have this everlasting effect on you as you grow up and it's not something you grow up, you necessarily grow out of, right? No. Because it's everywhere. It's displayed and even as an adult, going back and listening to those shows, there are little jokes, little innuendos that happen throughout that appeal to an older audience. Yes. So when we're bringing it into a center, if the center chooses to allow pop culture references in the center, it's just about being really careful and being aware of the different implications of having it within mm-hmm. your center and doing maybe some research on the messages, the undertones of whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing too, sometimes is even having a conversation um, like the princesses, you know, if, because I think one of the other things is that many children, particularly children of color, cannot identify with mm-hmm. those those mainstream characters. So even just having a conversation about, you know, what what it is to be a princess, what, what characteristics, not necessarily physical, mm-hmm. but maybe... Um, what traits, what uh, yeah. characteristics, personality traits. Yeah. What are they like? What and do they do? It's interesting that we bring this up too, because in this uh, in the society that I work in, we there was actually a three to five center that technically they didn't. It's not a problem that they had, but this was something that came up, and so one of the things that you know the children were were noticing on them on by themselves was you know you had an Asian child who was saying well, none of these princesses look like me. And then you had the child who the princesses did look like. And she's going, yeah, well, princesses are supposed to be blonde and Mm. this and that. And so the challenge that the teachers had to come up with was, okay, well, how do we show them that princesses can be anybody? Mm -hmm. And so they actually did research and posted photos of princesses, you know, past and present Mm -hmm. from all over the world. I love that. And, you know, actually showed them, okay, well, this is so-and-so from this place. She is a princess and a doctor. This is um, Meghan Markle from, uh, you know, who's married to Prince Harry from England. You know, she is a duchess and she's also an actress and she does this. And look, she's not blonde and she's not, you know, she doesn't have blue eyes. Mm -hmm. So, again, I think... Take those opportunities as learning moments. Yeah. And how can we flip the script, you know, in a kind way 
on what is and what what is and what is not a princess. I think that's really important. I love that you shared that story. I actually have almost like goosebumps listening to how the educators were able to turn that situation around and really use that to have a conversation, open up the dialogue, and really deconstruct what a princess is. Mm -hmm. It's so important. To say that it's not just a Disney image. Yes, and that's really important. So when pop culture does come into your center, because it will, it's inevitable, whether it's on someone's shirt or on their lunchbox or wherever, have those conversations and and use those moments to really redefine mm-hmm. what what's being shown on on the screen. And I know there's another one I just briefly want to talk about, which is Paw Patrol. Yeah. And when you look at Paw Patrol, the three main characters are all male dogs. Yes. <laughs> and on the side, they have these little female, two different female dogs, Everest and Skye. And so whenever I'm in a group setting and, you know, they're like, I love Chase or I love Marshall, I always feel the need to say, well, I love Everest. Or, I love I Sky. I love Sky. Just, just to promote the fact that, hey, there's other dogs there that are also working just as hard and they do these other things that are just as important. And it's unfortunate that those are the, quote, secondary characters they're... and they happen to be female. Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. I have nothing, like, why don't we have... A female police dog at the front you know what I mean yeah so, uh, representation is very crucial it's ridiculously crucial and it's so interesting how it can be such a hot topic in terms of like how angry people can get mm-hmm. when you know you're trying to create a more diverse show or a you know or a diverse movie mm-hmm. um I remember, I think I want to say this was probably about five years ago, when Thomas the Tank Engine brought in a new friend who was, I think, from Africa. Mm. I I think it was from Africa. I could be wrong about this, but basically Thomas the Tank Engine, I guess, wanted to be, they wanted to be more diverse because all of their trains are, quote, more associated with a Caucasian, Mm -hmm. um, a Caucasian group. And so they're trying to say, okay, well, you know, trains are not just in, I believe it was England that Thomas the Tank Engine is set in. So they're saying, okay, well, we can have trains from this part of the world and trains from this part of the world and trains from that part of the world. And there was so much hate (laughs) towards Thomas because we are trying to, quote, make everything, you know, black or make everything a race issue or make everything this. And it's like... And oh, we're oppressing, um, we're oppressing the white trains. It's like, oh, well, boy. the white trains were never oppressed to begin with because you're, they were They're always the there and the main yeah. focus. Yep. As soon as something is slightly inconvenient for somebody who's always been in in power or in control, it's deemed oppression. And I think if if you ever come across these statements like this, a really helpful book that I had to read for one of my courses in, in university is called Is Everyone Really Equal? Mm-hmm. by Sensoy and D'Angelo. And it, it tackles all these topics and it, it tackles phrases that people say back to you about these different things and how you can sort of break them down and explain things. So as educators, it's really important to, you know, continue the learning for yourself so that you can have these 
conversations. And not only that, but so that you can also challenge your own thinking yeah. and challenge um, what, you know, things that you may be doing, you know, even um, unknowingly um, that are sort of not sort of promoting or mm-hmm. kind of hitting the head on gender binaries or, um, you know, creating anti-racist classrooms. That's another big, mm-hmm. big one, which we will talk about. Again, you're, you need to, you're doing yourself a disservice by not cre- uh, continuing your, your own learning and um, continuing, you know, finding all these um, resources thank that, you, that res- are available if you look. They, and they are there. And again, because we are working with such a vulnerable age group, um, we really need to be careful about how it is that, what it is that we're doing and how it is that we even speak or um, the actions that we take. How is it that that could be not offending, but um, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe just the way it, it subtly promotes or reinforces certain things yeah and we just have to be aware of what the implications of that are yes um yeah so that was today's episode we hope you guys enjoyed listening and if you have any comments or questions or any ideas about what you think should or shouldn't be happening in terms of pop culture in a center please let us know you can send us an email at ecehonestly at gmail.com Or you can always DM us on Instagram at ECE Honestly. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Mm